You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Kicking off hour two from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. You can contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Checked in on some NHL storylines last night, including Rick Tockett ripping the Canucks after a 2-0 loss to the Flyers on Tuesday night and had another edition of Ask Andy. Had a week seven of the NFL season kicking off on Thursday night. All of that in hour one, if you missed any of it. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Check us out. Podcasts go up moments after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Late NHL schedule tonight, just two games on the docket. The Capitals and the Sens, Penguins and the Red Wings, Flames back in action on Thursday night when they take on the Buffalo Sabres. But we're going to talk some NHL now with our next guest. As we head down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Very happy to welcome in from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. It's our pal Ailish Forfar joining us. Ailish, how are you? How's it going over there, guys? Oh, we're doing pretty good. A couple off days here, early season. We're back talking hockey on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> it's been good times. How about you? I mean, Austin Matthews didn't get a hat trick in three straight games, so I don't know. Toronto's falling apart here. I was going to say, everything's come crashing down. The the goal song wasn't a popular hit, oh, and God. Matthews has been outscored, and now we thought it was Connor Bedard's story. It was actually Corey Perry's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto must just be spiraling after that game against the Blackhawks. You know what I'll say is we're getting lots of storylines from Matthews <laughs> to the goal song to Ryan Reeves and Corey Perry. Uh, we got to see Connor Bedard up close and personal. It's been a pretty good couple of days in terms of just being in the city and covering uh, the team. So I can't complain, uh, but losing that one to the Blackhawks kind of put a little bit of a, a bitter end to what was a pretty fun uh, back-to-back there, uh, games there with Austin Matthews and Hattricks. Like it was, uh, it was unbelievable. How was it? We mentioned last week when we had you on, you're transitioning to a new role uh, on the fan pregame show and you're you're more in the building and getting set for that. The two games for the Leafs, I mean, you probably would have liked to have had it not be so close against Montreal, but as far as the start goes for Austin Matthews, the, you mentioned the two hat-tricks. That's got to be an electric way to, to start the season off covering the Leafs with him doing that. Oh my goodness. You, you honestly, like night one, it was, that was pretty cool. Night two rolls around. You're like, this can't be real life. <laughs> like, but this guy is a machine. And you know what? It was the biggest to- talking point or one of them going into this season was what Austin Matthews they were getting, right? There's a 60 goal score, Austin Matthews and a 40 goal score, Austin Matthews. And I think we would have been happy to meet in the middle, but yeah. not electric start shows that he's healthy, uh, that he's hungry. And he's just got to be one of the best players on this side of the conferences, uh, if the Maple Leafs want to make it past two rounds this year, like it has to be Austin Matthews's way. And we saw that early on uh, in two game sample size, even the third game, like, you know, they lost the Blackhawks. It's kind of like how things go. You lose to the bad teams here sometimes uh, when you least expect it. Uh, but it was a pretty incredible to see uh, the building was basically shocked. I think every time he kept doing this, but I will say in all of this, William Nylander has kind of been, his story has been swept under the rug. He scored some highlight real goals that 
almost have gone untalked about just because of Austin Matthews. And yeah. if William Nylander is playing the way he's playing with that contract pending and all of those offseason questions going in, that dynamic duo, I haven't even mentioned Mitch Marner, uh, that could be something really special for the Leafs. So storylines were pretty intense in terms of the way that they got off on the right foot, lots of goal scoring. You know, we don't need to get into playing defense or goaltending. Uh, <laughs> those haven't been destroyed. You know what? We'll just uh, we'll just gloss over the back end. Yeah. If you score six, seven goals a game, you should win. <laughs> yeah, hey, it, it hasn't worked for the Oilers, so why would it work for the Leafs, mm-hmm. right? It's true. Yeah, the Oilers start. The Oilers start with something special too, right? I mean, we we get the they're the late night, so we're kind of waking up seeing it, thinking yeah. like, oh boy, like what's going on in Edmonton? It must be just a fierce radio over there. But I mean, they got the bounce back they needed last night, right? But yeah, I, it's so hard to make real evaluations after three games. It's it's like something we've talked about on our show this week. Is okay, we did this segment yesterday. It's early, but which is a great way to preface you know what, this doesn't really matter yet because it's been two or three games. But, I mean, that's the beauty of our industry is you're making something out of not a lot. But, I mean, if it's two things and it's William Melander and, and Austin Matthews looking as good as they are, I think that's a real tangible thing that hopefully the Maple Leafs fans can lean on when we get 10, 12, 15 games into the season. I got a couple more on the Leafs for you, Ailish. I'm curious about, uh, I think Ryan Reeves has probably made the biggest headlines of the new acquisitions up front, but there's going to be lots of talk this year about Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi. What have the, the initial impressions been of some of Brad Living's offseason additions? Everybody loves Ryan Reeves. This guy is not only a walking quote, like he, I think he thinks about how am I going to make the media the happiest when I get in front of the camera? Cause he delivers time after time, something that we want to play on our station, something that gets retweeted. And he's just authentically this dude, right? Like yeah. even last night I saw that they had a Halloween party and he went as Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart with his <laughs> wife. And he's just, he's just so funny. And he delivers what the Maple Leafs have really never had, which was a guy that's going to stand up for himself, stand up for his players. He got two fights in two games. Like, that's something that the Maple Leafs weren't. They've been called a soft and purposeless team by their own head coach, and they don't look that way this year. And it is early, but the way that Ryan Reeves has kind of given them this edge, and he's a fun, like, fans love him. Until you start talking about, okay, he's here for three years. How much is he costing against the cap? Did you lose someone like a Sam Lafferty because you couldn't afford the extra little bump that Ryan Reeves took? There are those discussions. Like Leafs Twitter is is a, a beast of its own. They are going through his expected goals for and Corsi. And I'm just like, guys, it, just put that aside for a minute and think about what he's doing for that locker room, for that fan, and that for that fan base and for the the guys on the ice. We can get into his plus minus in 20 games, right? So right now, I think Ryan Reeves has been the story deservingly so. And then we talk about Max Domi a little bit because there's a lot of hype about Max Domi. His dad is a huge figure in Toronto. He came out on stage with Drake a couple weeks ago. Like this guy <laughs> is, is, is a celebrity in his own. And so his son is coming into the market. And I wonder for him if it's, if it's, if it's not difficult, but if it's, maybe distracting at times to think like, okay, my dad was this player, but I'm not this player. I'm a little different. I need to find my fit. And I think the biggest concern right now when we're looking at Max Domi is he hasn't delivered really anything impactful in three games, but he's in an interesting spot up and down in that bottom six where 
I don't really know if they've found the right fit on that third line. They've got two rookies, uh, Matthew Nyes and Fraser Minton, who was a really great story out of camp, and Max Domi. And they're kind of floating around and trying to figure out where to put him. So I think that that is a project right now is where are you going to find the Max Domi fit? Because you can't have this guy not making an impact. But I still think they're trying to figure out what that impact is. And then Tyler Bertuzzi is is like a cannonball out there. He's really fun to watch. He's obviously had a pretty great impact already just with the players he's playing against. Um, but it's just about staying out of the box um, and having that sustainable impact up on the top uh, two lines, right? So yeah. I, if you look at how strong the top six could be for the Maple Leafs, that's the difference between last year. There's not a lot of fluff, right? But it's puzzle pieces and Sheldon keeps got his work cut out for him trying to make it all click as quickly as possible before people start thinking, wow, terrible signing for this guy. Right. But <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think there's a lot of happy, happy fans right now with just the different look and feel of the Maple Leafs. And those three guys add a lot of toughness and a lot of grit and Brad tree living like the word snot. And they definitely brought that uh, with the off season acquisitions. Uh, we talked last week on the program how it was a big start for Connor Bedard in some of these major markets. Uh, what was it like having the the Connor Bedard show coming to Toronto? I know he didn't get on the board in the Blackhawks win, but I'm curious what you saw in person for uh, this year's first overall pick. Man, that like media tour that he started on. I know that this has been a talking point. I'm not sure if you brought it up on your show, but he actually wasn't made available to the media in Toronto. And I don't care. Like the kid is 18 years old. Like, yeah. I don't think it's too much, but even Taylor Hall coming out and saying, Hey guys, like give him a break. He's, he's doing too much media. A part of me was like, well, you know what? It's kind of like his not responsibility, but he's been this generational player. He's known that since he was 13. Right. I I don't think it's too much. I think it's a privilege to have a player that's so marketable and is so dynamic that people are hungry to see him to talk to him, to put him in TV commercials. And until he says something like, I, I need to step back, it's, it's too much, then I was kind of disappointed we didn't get a chance to really like lean into it in terms of talking to him because he obviously knows they've put him in five markets in the first five games that are pretty intense and pretty legendary hockey markets for a reason because he's selling tickets and he's bringing the Connor Bedard show with him. And he's also playing pretty well. Like when we saw that, the, the show here in Toronto, uh, he had scoring chance after scoring chance. I thought uh, at the end of that game, I saw a stat. It's probably not update uh, the same as now a couple of days later, but him and Austin Matthews were leading the league in scoring chances after two or three games. And I mean, that's pretty good company to be in. Uh, you and Austin Matthews leading the league in scoring chances. Yeah. And I saw that, like he's dynamic with the puck. He drives the net. He's hungry. And now other guys are starting to think, well, he's the one getting the puck. So we got to swarm him. And to me, the biggest growing pains or the biggest room for improvement would be how does he get away from that? How does he separate himself when teams are just standing around him on the power play, giving him the OB treatment, right? So it was really awesome to see. I saw so many Bedard jerseys at Scotiabank Arena, which, you know, is already kind of a, a Leafs-heavy jersey night. But I was surprised to see so many fans that were Blackhawks fans that came out for it. But it is Connor Bedard. It's a special time to see him uh, early on in his career. 
I was really gunning for a goal. It would have been really cool to see. Uh, I know the Habs fans booed him basically every time he touched the puck. I don't think I don't think Leafs fans did it, uh, but I, after losing, I think they were a little bit bitter for sure. Yeah, I wanted to dive back into that story about Bedard and the media one. I I certainly appreciate Taylor Hall, you know, from his perspective, of course, knowing what it's been like to to sort of be that guy and to have that media circus follow you around as a top pick, but. I do wonder, too, how much the NHL should be trying to push this guy forward if he is okay with doing media and how important it is for the NHL to to get some stars who, who are okay with talking. There's nothing against Sid or, or Connor who are just generally, I think, quieter guys, Ailish. I think the NHL needs more marketable stars. And if, Connor's, if Connor Bedard's okay being that guy, I kind of feel like you should let him be that guy. We are so desperate to have a hockey player that is good with the media, is a good hockey player, is a good person. And we had that with Sidney Crosby, but he's not, you know, the biggest quote guy. He's just like a very good leader and well-respected. And Connor Bedard has a lot of the similar traits to Sidney Crosby. I mean, he was his idol growing up. And I, every time I hear someone talk about Bedard, it's, He's just like Sid. He's just like Sid. And Sid was the face of this league with Obi for a really long time. And it was great to have somebody that people looked up to and wanted to watch. And kids watching hockey were like, oh, that Bedard guy. I'm seeing him on the ice, but I'm seeing him in commercials. And I'm seeing him getting interviewed on the bench and after the game. So I think it, it was a little bit, or it is a little bit disappointing that we're already pushing back on that because, I mean, I, I was a hockey player, so I feel like I can say it. We're, we're kind of boring, you know, like, we are kind of the same media trained answers. So he has been a little bit different. He's been a little bit funny. He's like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make the team. Like, <laughs> yeah, we know you are, but you know, and maybe we don't need to lean so far into the NBA has a lot of talking heads, a lot of people that want to be in, in the spotlight, but the NHL seems so far removed from that. And they need to grow their fan base. They need to make more money. There's a guy that can do it for you. Like you don't think when Victor Wembanyama has his, season this upcoming year he's not going to be treated like Connor Bedard they're both being touted as the generational athletes of their time I'm curious to see how he handles it right like it's a lot to ask a young kid to do it but when you grow up knowing you're going to be that superstar I think you're ready for the moment and I think Bedard really like embraces it and he seems so gracious with his time he seems really humble it's not getting to his head where he's like cocky or hard to 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 get to like it just to me, I really wanted a bit more leeway for the kid. Like, let him get through a couple games, and then it's also going to quiet down. He's not going to have the circus joining him every game, right? These are his first three or four NHL games. I think people will be a little bit less gung-ho on game 35. You know, this is yeah. kind of when you capitalize on it. So we'll see how the rest of this goes. I know it's got he's going to have a home opener soon. Well, that's like that's a big one, obviously, yeah. <laughs> against the – the defending Stanley cup champs. And then I'm sure it'll quiet down a bit and we'll just be worried about his on ice performance, which has already been speaking for itself. Yeah, it sure has. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. I, I would love to see whether it's Connor Bedard or somebody else come out and, and, and be this marketable face of the NHL. That's mm -hmm. that wants to do it. And, and like you said, he's been so good at it so far. Uh, I think it was a missed opportunity going through Toronto like that. Alish Forfar is with us from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, just two games on the NHL schedule today. I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. We've seen a couple coaches uh, kind of getting hard on their teams early on this season. Uh, just two days ago, Lindy Ruff benched Timo Meyer and two other guys in their game against Florida 
for the entire third period. And then last night, Rick Tockett uh, and Vancouver drop a 2-0 decision to the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, and he slams his team post-game saying we need to go back to the, the drawing board with some guys. Who are we to think we're anybody? How do you like that approach from a coach early on? Is it a bit worrying that a coach has to say these kind of things or do these kind of things early on? Or are you thinking that the coach is, is trying to set a hard standard for his team going forward? I think it's it's maybe two different perspectives for the two teams you name. Lindy okay. Ruff and the Devils are they are a team people really think can do something this year and need to do something. I saw he was bag skating his players too. Like I remember that in college and it made me yep. sick on Twitter. <laughs> and it's early on, but they need to be held to a high standard because they are a team that people think could be cup contenders or top of their division or even in the conversation, right? And they have a lot of young players on the Devils. And I wonder if that type of let's set a good precedent for what hard work is and what the proper you know, approach to playing hockey is because you got players that put their foot off the gas a little bit, like, oh, it's an 82-game season. Do we really need to come out strong? So I, I, I'm certainly surprised that we're seeing this already, but I kind of understand it in the Lindy Ruff era. In terms of the Vancouver Canucks, like they have just been in a transitional period for a very long time. But I think Rick Tockett is the guy that people know can push those buttons. I do wonder about like the bullets you get, right? We use this with Sheldon Keith all the time. How many times can a coach do that before the players say, all right, buddy, like we get it. It's been two weeks. You've been hounding us. You know, it's been three games. You've been hounding us. I wonder about pressing those buttons too early because it can lose effectiveness. When Sheldon Keith did this as an example last year, the Leafs went on this brutal West coast road trip where I think they lost all three games or whatever. It was just, it was bad. It was around Halloween. I remember we thought he was going to come back and not be the head coach of the team anymore. He called the team out and then he walked his comments back a couple of days later where he had called out like the superstars. And we thought that was a really interesting thing. Like did somebody complain? Did the, the players speak up and say, Hey, don't talk to us like that. It is interesting how head coaches deal with early adversity, but it is early adversity. Right. So I just, you know, you lost 2 nothing to the Flyers. The Flyers are not supposed to be a good hockey team. The Canucks are also not supposed to be cup contenders. It is a little bit of a, you got to know your room. Obviously, I'm not in the Canucks dressing room. I don't really know how they respond to that. But that's where your leaders either, hey, look around, the coach is pissed at us, we got to pick this up, or it can go the other way. Canucks are an interesting spot, you know, with Connor Garland rumors as well. He's a good player, but he's an expensive player. Are they going to move off of him and make some early on moves? It's a it's a team that I'm watching for sure over the next couple of weeks, specifically because they got a head coach who's already upset about their performance <laughs> and, a, and a young player that could end up elsewhere. It's uh, probably not like the happiest start if you were Vancouver radio calling me. Like, I yeah. I'm probably already in the spot of, uh, of tension, but you know, in my experience of playing, you know, I had a head coach that was really, really strict. And if there was attention to detail that we missed, if there was somebody being late, he would hold us to that standard. It didn't mean if it was game one, game 30, a playoff round or championship round. And I actually really respected it because I respected him as a coach, yeah. but it's different for everyone. Right. And I think players all respond to it differently. So we'll see how their bounce back is. You'd hope that they come out with a little bit of fire in their next game and say, yeah, we're listening, you know? Yeah. Be interesting to see. They've got a tough task ahead of them. They are into uh, Tampa Bay and then Florida, I believe. So it'd be a big test for, uh, to see how the team responds to Rick Tockett. Ailish, 
Great stuff as always. Really enjoying these chats. Thank you for hopping on with us again today. Can't wait to do it again next week, hey? I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll chat next week and have a great weekend, everyone. Yeah, you too. Alish Forfar joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, guest hotline, host of the fan pregame show on Sportsnet 590, the fan, all things Maple Leafs, all things uh, around the NHL. Really enjoying our uh, Wednesday chats with Alish. We're going to continue those uh, throughout the NHL season. Again, Flames off today. They're back in action on Thursday in Buffalo, getting set to take on the Sabres. Uh, per our pal Eric Francis, who's on the ground in Buffalo, expect Dan Vladar to get the start in goal against the Sabres. We would then assume Jacob Markstrom would go Friday against Columbus. Two 5 o'clock starts remaining on this road trip. 4 o'clock Flames pregame with Pat Steinberg. Derek and Megan with the call here on Sportsnet 9. 60 the fan. Flames road trip wraps up on Sunday against the Detroit Red Wings. Take a break. Come back on the other side. Looking ahead to Friday in BC Place. The Stamps need to win out if they want a playoff spot uh, this season. It's something they're not used to being in this spot. Uh, but it's a big game on Friday. Preparation continued for the Stampeders on Wednesday at McMahon. We'll get the latest from the team with a Stamps report from Matty Rose. That's next here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. No Flames hockey tonight. They'll continue their five-game road trip into Buffalo to take on the Sabres Thursday night. The Sabres picking up their first victory of the season Tuesday in overtime against the visiting Tampa Bay Lightning. Sounds like we could see the season debut of Dan Vladar in goal. That courtesy of our Sportsnet colleague Eric Francis, who's got boots down in Buffalo with the team right now. Didn't get any lines or de-pairings from practice, so we'll wait till Thursday in a potential morning skate for the group to get you the latest on how Ryan Huska plans to deploy his group. Flames 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the season with stops in Buffalo, Columbus, and Detroit remaining on this road trip. If you want to watch some hockey tonight, however, the Sportsnet Television Network's got Wednesday night hockey for you. The Washington Capitals and the Ottawa Senators. Darcy Kemper in goal for Washington. Anton Forsberg for the Sens. Josh Norris back and healthy. He'll be back in the Sens lineup tonight. 5 p.m. puck drop from our nation's capital. And then at 5.30, it's the Penguins and the Red Wings. Both teams sitting at 2-1 and one on the season. Perhaps you'd like to watch some baseball. Got that for you on Sportsnet as well. Sportsnet 1 going to carry Game 3 of the ALCS. The Texas Rangers lead the Houston Astros by a 2-0 series lead. Max Scherzer gets the start for the Rangers. It's Christian Javier going for the Astros, that one. A 6.07 first pitch tonight. So a couple of different options for you if you're looking to watch some sports tonight. Coming up on Friday, it's a big game for the Calgary Stampeders. They still need a little bit of help if they want to get into the CFL's postseason. They'll need to win their games against BC and Winnipeg. And the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will have to lose to the Toronto Argonauts on Saturday. So still work to be done for this group who four or five weeks ago probably wouldn't have put themselves in the playoff conversation, but they're here after a big win against the Riders last week and now getting set to take on a BC Lions team on Friday, which will present a big challenge 
There was a little bit of worry yesterday that Jake Mayer wasn't at practice. The good news, he wasn't at practice, not because of any injury difficulty. He was joining his wife for the birth of his daughter. So congratulations to Jake Mayer and his family, mom and baby, doing well. That's great news for the Calgary Stampeders quarterback. Uh, he was back at practice on Wednesday, helping his team get set for a big matchup on Friday. With the latest on the Calgary Stampeders, we turn things over to our pal, Matt Rose. The Calgary Stampeders have their... The Calgary Stampeders had their final practice Wednesday ahead of their huge game Friday night in BC against the Lions. Lots of playoff implications. You win, you have a chance to clinch this weekend. You lose and you have to scoreboard watch and maybe win a big game in the final week of the season. We'll start with some injury news, particularly the quarterback, Jake Mayer. I guess not injury news per se, but he didn't participate in practice Tuesday for non-injury reasons. Turns out congratulations are in order for Jake and his wife Amanda as they welcome their first child to the family late Monday night. Yeah, no, yesterday was uh, probably the best day of my life. Um, it was uh, it was super awesome. Um, Amanda killed it, did it, did, did great, crushed it, all the above. Um, so we're super grateful as a family right now and uh, very humbling experience uh, to to have our own family. Yeah, uh, can you give us any details as much as you want about child, uh, gender, and everything and name? Yeah, we have, we have a little girl, uh, Everly. Everly Marie Mayer, so she's uh, she's doing great. All of her vitals are good. Everything's all good. Um, and like I said, we're just super proud to bring someone in the world. So a big congratulations to Jake and Amanda on welcoming Everly into their family. And I do know what you sickos are going to be asking, though. Is he going to be well-rested for the game Friday night in BC? He had this to say as well. I, uh, fortunately, have had sleep, but uh, Amanda, maybe not so much. Her, her mom's here. Her mom's in town, so... Um, I had to go home and take care of the dog a little bit. So uh, tonight, I'll uh, keep you posted on that, see how it goes. But um, she's, uh, she had, I mean, I, the 24 hours that I've kind of spent time with her, uh, she's been pretty quiet. She's just like mom and dad, I guess, and hopefully she stays that way. Uh, where were you got the call that it was go time? Uh, were you here? Were you at home? Where were you? I was, uh, I had fallen asleep, and at midnight yesterday is when uh, when it, the ball got rolling there. So, um, yeah, no, we were, we, we were up all night. And uh, she finally uh, was delivered at uh, noon yesterday. So it does sound like Jake Mayer will be good to go. New dad energy as well. Guy was smiling like he could take on the world Wednesday afternoon. And funny enough, he's not the only one on the team who's on new father watch. A head coach and general manager Dave Dickinson told George Russick and I on the big show Wednesday morning, center Sean McEwen also expecting a child, although when that happens is not necessarily up to the head coach. Do you know when kids are coming? Let me know because I don't. So, uh, so hey, he's, he's locked in. Sean, Sean's been here. I mean, true pro, guy that's ready to work. He's always one of the first guys here going over his stuff. He's actually taken over, you know, our leadership position, and with our, some of our younger guys, are really, he's been helping them, the Rodims and, and those type of guys. And so, you know, whatever happens, happens. We can handle it, um, and he's ready to go. So apart from baby watch for Sean McEwen, good news injury-wise for the offensive line, it looks like Bryce Bell will return. Unsure if he will start on the line in his return to the lineup. Dontney Demery and Joshua Coker both were taking some reps at tackle on Wednesday. They're going to need to be stout, though. The Lions have Matthew Betts. He's chasing history on their defensive line. 17 sacks on the season. That has him tied with Brent Johnson and Jamal Westerman for most by a Canadian in his season. He's got sacks in four straight games going into 
into Friday and has had a sack in both the prior meetings this season. Elsewhere on the offensive line, Reggie Bagleton, a full participant again, but he does still need to be cleared to play. Medically and doctors have to say that he can survive a hit. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm feeling like it's, you know, it's probably 50-50, but with Reggie, you'd probably give him a little more than that. That's just who he is, and uh, we need him, but we understand if it's not a go, it's not a go, we'll move on. So that sets up pretty standard group of receivers for Calgary. If he's cleared, Bagleton, Michelle, Trey Adams, Dukes, Luther, Akunavanu, and Cole Tucker would be your expected starters, with Kadeem Carey and Peyton Logan at running back. Unsure if they'll be able to fit Diedrich Mills on the roster. Might end up being unfortunately scratched, just like last week. More of a roster casualty than anything with Peyton Logan helping out in the return game. Before we get to the defense. Just a quick special teams note as well and kind of offense. Kicker Renee Paradis has been unable to practice due to a shoulder injury. Not to say the veteran and future Hall of Famer needs practice but he has to be healthy to kick. Uh, they had Toshi Sato doing some of the kicking work Wednesday afternoon. Dave Dickinson talked about this injury to Paredes when he joined Russick and I for his usual Wednesday morning hit on the big show. Yeah, I mean, like it happened in Ottawa too. You know, some these guys are trying to get involved in tackling and getting mm-hmm. in there, and sometimes they take a hit. And um, you know, I'm feeling pretty good that he should be good to go. But uh, part of you know, I, I agree that shoulders you don't need them to kick, but it is a rhythm thing, yeah. and there is a, there is some rotation and turn on the upper body. Yeah. So I certainly think uh, I don't know a lot about kicking, but I'm sure <laughs> he still feels <laughs> much more comfortable if he felt uh, healthy. He'll he'll he'll. He'll find a way through it, and uh, you know. But if he can't, we've we've had uh, Toshi's been sitting on our our practice roster all year, yep. a global kicker from Japan, mm-hmm. and been doing a nice job. So uh, if we go that way, we'll, we'll we'll go that way. So that's the latest on the kicking position. We'll watch the injury reports and for the depth charts Thursday morning to see if Renee is able to get on the roster. Defensively, all the players that have been banged up and have been seeing progression did see more progression. Defensive backs Trey Roberson and Brandon Dozier should be available, as well as defensive linemen Mike Rose and Mike Moore after both have either missed time this week or are coming back from injury. We'll hear from Mike Rose during Thursday's Stamps Report as well. Had a chance to talk to him before their flight off to B.C., but this is a big game for the defense. you got to slow down this high-flying Lions offense. And I mean high-flying. They almost exclusively pass the ball. Vernon Adams Jr. has led that group to top three in points for touchdowns, net offense, yards per play, first downs, passing yards, passing attempts, and completion percentage. The Lions are top three in all of those categories. The list goes on and on, but they are dead last in rush yards and rush attempts. They attack through the air almost exclusively, and really you cannot blame them. Vernon Adams Jr. has been throwing the ball well this year. He leads the league in passing yards, and they've got a great group of receivers. Keon Hatcher and Alexander Hollins are having all-star caliber seasons, and and that's before you get to Javon Katoy, Lucky Whitehead, Dominique Grimes, who's only dressed for nine games this season. They have a loaded receiver group. Dave Dickinson talked about this Lions team when he joined Russick and I Wednesday morning. We're just going to try to make sure we play our best game. Uh, we didn't do that the last time we were out there for, for whatever reasons. Uh, I looked back. I mean, we were offside in the opening kickoff. Our first defensive play, we made a, a mental error. And our first offense play, we took a holding. Yeah. I mean, it was really just a, just the guys just uh, – weren't themselves and that that game was one of those that you could chalk up was probably when you look back a game we didn't we didn't show up ready to play other than that our team's been excellent and uh, we expect to go out there and and play well and and we don't worry about the score if we do that just go play well do your job um 
try to win as many plays as possible and see what the score is at the end of the game. Call task for them. We'll see what they can do. Friday at 8 o'clock will be the game if the Stampeders win and the Rough Riders lose Saturday to Toronto. Then Calgary will clinch a playoff spot. If both teams have the same result, then... The result will be dependent on Calgary's game against Winnipeg the following weekend. If Calgary loses and Saskatchewan wins, Calgary will miss the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. This game, irrelevant for BC2. It's their final contest of the year. They have the Week 21 bye. They're one of three teams with it. A win gives them a chance to win the division and get a first-round bye. They could pass the Bombers if they win this game. Travel day on Thursday for the Stamps. We'll get depth charts as well. That'll come out in the morning. We'll know the roster then. Renee Parrott is probably the biggest question mark right now. And maybe Sean McEwen, dependent on the birth of his child. We'll hear from Mike Rose in tomorrow's Stamps Report as well. Uh, 8 o'clock start Friday in BC. Then on Saturday, Patty Dumas and I will be breaking it down at noon on Stamps Hour as well. So make sure you tune into that. With your Stampeders Report, I'm Matt Rose. Thanks, Matty. Appreciate that. Stampeders and Lions, 8 o'clock kickoff on Friday night for one of the biggest games of the season for the Stampeders. Let's hear more from head coach Dave Dickinson. This Wednesday regular chat with the guys on the big show. He joined Rusick and Rose for more on this matchup against the Lions. Uh, doing a little better, which is good. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess your week is better when you're obviously still alive in the uh, in the playoff chase and the hunt. Um, how exciting is that from a, a season that's definitely had a lot of up and downs yet, Dave? couple games to go here, still have a puncher's chance. We do. We do. I mean, you can tell there's a little different uh, feel out on the practice field. Uh, you know, it takes a lot, you know, and you put all, a lot out there and you don't seem to find ways to win. Uh, it certainly can bring you down. So, you know, we haven't really won two games in a row all year. So uh, we need to do that and big challenge ahead of us. But um, we kept ourselves alive and um, you can tell there's a little bit more energy and a little bit better feel out on the practice field. Um, is is there a legitimate belief within that locker room right now, Dave? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I know. Um, I really think so too. I'm I'm good with it. I, I feel like our, uh, we can beat anybody. I do. Hmm. Um, can can we win three in a row? That's that's to be. I guess that's to be determined. Um, you know, we may not need all three to get into the playoffs, but we might. So, uh, big challenge, but we're uh, we're looking forward to it. Coach, I want to ask you about the impact Cam Judge has had on the season for you. Uh, he gets the pick six, which helps your club win that game against the Rough Riders. Uh, you got to feel pretty happy with how that trade has turned out for your group. Yeah, I mean, I think both teams would be, though. I think, yep. uh, you know, what really happened was Mitch wanted to get back. John Mechie wanted to get back to uh, Royce Mechie, sorry, brother. <laughs> wanted to get back to Toronto. And uh, we felt like we could get a good football player on our team, and we've been really happy with Cam. And he's just the other thing about Cam is is uh, who he is as a person. Uh, really, really has been good for our room and our team. And uh, he works. I mean, he's he never misses a practice. He's always here early, and I just think uh, you know, quiet leader, but definitely a good leader. I was talking to Reggie Bagleton. Uh, I just asked him about the Cam Judge interception, and the first thing that Reggie said was, I can't believe he does it without gloves. Um, have you ever noticed that Cam just does the job without gloves? Does that stand out to you? Well, a receiver saying that's probably going to carry more weight than yeah. me. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, to each his own. I mean, uh, certain guys. I think the gloves are pretty awesome these days. Uh, I remember back in my day, they were like, they looked like, you know, you were – 
you were going into like a, some sort of a hazardous waste area. There were these <laughs> massive, you know, latex gloves, you know, and then now it seems like they're sleek and they're nice and uh, most of the guys do wear them. But Cam, throwback, I guess. I guess he's a throwback guy. Do you think you would have worn them just because of the grip, Dave? Me, I tried them. I, I didn't feel great wearing gloves because it wasn't that I – I think you could throw the ball a little harder with gloves. I think you got a little more rotation. Hmm. And Calgary is one of the driest cities in the world, in my opinion. Okay. So I get it. But for me, it was like, let's say I wanted to touch a ball over a, a DN that was like blitzing off the edge. I didn't feel I had that with gloves. I felt like the ball kind of stuck on my fingers a little too much. Uh, so for the most part, I didn't like it. Um, Wore one on my opposite hand sometimes. I was broken fingers and stuff like that to try to tape it together. But uh, never never wore a glove to throw with and, and uh, tried it. just wasn't for me. Yeah, it's, it's it's just a little thing for me. Like when I see a guy not wearing gloves in certain positions, either receiver or like in baseball, when a batter doesn't have them, I'm like, oh, this guy... I'm got to be careful. This guy, this guy's a little bit reckless, but that was just my little observation on Cam Judge, I guess. I wanted to ask you about Reggie as well. Um, hopeful that he's going to be back, but also uh, announces the Herm Harrison Award winner. Just a, a thought on what he had to do to earn this award. Well, I mean, uh, I knew Herm, and you know, back when I got here, I mean, Sugarfoot Herm, John Helton, those were kind of the guys that. You know, it welcomed us and and really showed us what it meant to be part of the community. And and guys, the offensive line probably would be another group that just the Rockos of the world and and obviously Bruce Covington and these guys just they really do a great job. And um, you know, I think it was a great award. Obviously, uh, some of these guys, most of them don't know about Herm, but they we try to we try to give them a little scoop. Uh, Nick Lewis on staff. Uh, gave a good story on Herm to the guys, and it's more about getting out and making a difference, and uh, and doing the right thing, and they're doing it because you enjoy and you're, you you care about other people, and you enjoy the chance to to maybe make a positive impact. So we need him on the field first and foremost. You know, you could tell without Reg, we were a little off. We were waiting for someone else to make a play. We need him, but. Um, he's got rib injuries, and that's a tough one because you know you can't test that in practice. You either mm. you go for it and hope it holds up, uh, or you wait another week and feel more confident that uh, you will be able to take those hits. So it's it's certainly still up in the air, but it's good to see him back out there. Uh, we got the injury report after the closed practice yesterday. Jake Mayer away, not injury related. Can you just uh, update us on the quarterback? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, okay to say that uh, him and his wife had a baby girl, Everly. Um, oh, that's really so nice. Excited about that. Haven't haven't heard a lot of other details. Um, not worried about it. I told Jake just you know pop in when you feel you can and be there for your wife and the birth of your daughter. And um, uh, good timing, to be honest, because um, hmm. you know you can you can certainly. Uh, Everybody says you can focus on your job and do this and do that, but I think when you're on the road, I think that's a tough one. And we still got one more. We got Sean McEwen uh, working on that. So um, hopefully, I don't see him today, and that he's with his <laughs> wife in the hospital. So that's that's what we're we're dealing with. But it was exciting news for our team. Uh, Dave BC, uh, the opponent this weekend, uh, obviously the two games previous haven't gone your way, but, uh, Vernon Adams, he, he should be able to go, uh, despite having some injury uh, troubles there in his last game. What, what's your read on this Lions group as, uh, as you head into a, a must win game there at BC place? 
Yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna try to make sure we play our best game. Uh, we didn't do that the last time we were out there for for whatever reasons. Um, I looked back. I mean, we were offside in the open kickoff. Our first defensive play, we made a, a mental error, and our first offensive play, we took a holding. Uh, yeah. And it was really just a, just the guys just uh, weren't themselves. And that that game was one of those that you could chalk up was probably when you look back a game we didn't we didn't show up ready to play. Other than that, our team's been excellent. Yeah. And uh, we expect to go out there and, and play well. And, and we don't worry about the score if we do that. Just go play well, do your job, um, try to win as many plays as possible and see what the score is at the end of the game. Uh, I noticed uh, Rene popped up in the injury report with uh, some shoulder issues. I, obviously, you don't need shoulders to kick, but uh, how is he uh, heading into Friday? Yeah, I mean, like it happened in Ottawa too. You know, some these guys are trying to get involved in tackling and getting mm-hmm. in there, and sometimes they take a hit. And um, you know, I'm feeling pretty good that he should be good to go. But uh, part of you know, I, I agree that shoulders you don't need them to kick, but it is a rhythm thing, yeah. and there is a, there is some rotation and turn on the upper body. Yeah. So I certainly think uh, I don't know a lot about kicking, but I'm sure <laughs> he still feels <laughs> much more comfortable if he felt uh, healthy. He'll he'll he'll. He'll find a way through it, and uh, you know. But if he can't, we've we've had uh, Toshi's been sitting on our our practice roster all year, yeah. a global kicker from Japan, mm-hmm. and been doing a nice job. So uh, if we go that way, we'll we'll, we'll go that way. Uh, Dave, now I have to ask you. You said you don't know much about kicking. You must have kicked field goals in practice, right? What's the furthest you hit? Well, see, my brother was actually the kicker on like when I when we grew up. He's only one year older, and he could hit. You know, probably 45 plus. Um, and I'd go out there with him. I wasn't great. Uh, maybe I mean I, I have hit 40 plus. Now they remember this is when I was younger, but <laughs> not very consistent. Not a not a soccer player. Not a, not a consistent kicker. Not flexible. Hmm. Um, you know, I actually I I do compare kicking a lot to a golf stroke, though I really do, and I can see a lot of similarities. And it's rhythm, and it's it's really popping through the ball at impact, creating that extra torque. And uh, the one thing I know most people don't understand, it's a descending blow. Like you, just like a golf shot, you come down on the ball and that creates the lift. And uh, I think I love golf. So if only my body would cooperate and let me have a little bit more flexibility, <laughs> I think it could have been all right, but didn't need to go there. Uh, didn't need to go there as well. So I felt good just holding and running the odd fake and letting the letting <laughs> the pros handle the, the kicking duties. Uh, when you were holding, how terrified were you they going to get kicked in the hand? <laughs> Not at all. Sorry. Not at all. Like, okay. Uh, trust me, if I'm terrified of getting kicked, I should just move off the field because the, okay. the, the, the pass rushers hurt a lot more. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, That's hurt a lot more. Yeah, okay. That. I did break my wrist, though, covering a kick, so I was giving a giving a, Renee the same thing as you miss. You go get the tackle, and you don't realize how rough the game is uh, until you're like, things flying over the top of you. And it was actually a Freddie Childress came over a pile after I made the tackle and landed on me and broke my wrist. So it's uh, hazardous. Part of the hazards, I guess, of holding sometimes is you got to actually get involved and, and make a tackle. Is that why, like, the leagues, like, in the NFL, CFL, <clears throat> teams have transitioned to using punters as holders because they don't want to have, like, a backup kick uh, quarterback get hurt? Possibly on one of those? No, most no? of the time, to be honest, is they don't have anything else to do in That's practice, fair. punters That's or fair. kickers. So they, <laughs> okay. they sit down there and they work on it and they work on it and they work on it. And to be honest, those two are connected, and ours are too. They're mm. connected uh, mentally, physically, and trust. And uh, 
you know, Cody's just an amazing job at, at getting it exactly how Renee wants it. I think Cody's a big part of our success. Yeah. I really do on the field goals. Aaron, Cody, and, and Renee, to me, they, they just work so well. There's a synergy there. There really is. And uh, I think uh, the holder is an underappreciated art form. It's very, very important uh, for your kicker. Uh, there you go. That's part of the conversation with head coach and GM Dave Dickinson every Wednesday on the big show with Rustic and Rose, part of our Stamps Report on this Wednesday. We're going to wrap things up, hand things over to Real Kipper and Born Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Peter Klein coming your way this afternoon. One more Flames off day before back-to-back games Thursday and Friday. Thank you to both of our guests today, Andy McNamara and Ailish Forfar. If you missed either of those conversations, make sure you check them out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. A shout out to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work on this Wednesday. And thank you for listening live or on the text line uh, or on the podcast as well. Appreciate it. As always, we'll be back for a Thursday game day edition tomorrow. Adnan Verk hopefully going to join us. We'll take a look at the opposition, the Buffalo Sabres. And then Friday, before you know it, Columbus Blue Jackets, another chance to see former flame Johnny Gaudreau in action. Looking forward to it. we got hockey to finish out the week. Enjoy Real Kipper and Born. Enjoy Flames Talk. That's what's coming up this afternoon. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.